0: Put your seatbelts on. No. Just a quick word about the school carnival. It is a fundraiser. Uh, the school is in this Kairos kind of moment where everybody in, the, in, in our country is rethinking education, and they're rethinking where their kids are placed. And unfortunately, it takes money to make things roll and to have a staff here. We have an amazing staff here, and it, it takes finances and resources to make this roll forward. And this is just one of the fundraisers that we use, uh, which is probably more fun than fund raises. <laughs> but it, 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 at the end of the day, it is a moment where we get to mix with our school family as a body of believers, and there's over 400 plus people that come through this room that night. It's amazing. It's, 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 as Kelsey said, it's epic, and if you can help support in just terms of volunteering for just a small time slot, that's wonderful, because we could certainly use your, your help. So, um, yeah, so having said that, uh, this morning, imagine, if you will, you were in your favorite place And your favorite space, and you have all of your, you've got your Strong's concordance, you have your Greek-English lexicon out, you have your various Bible translations. I don't know why this is fading in and out, Jason. Is it me? Testing one, two, test, test. Um, And you're just studying the Word of God. How many of you have ever done that? You've had that approach where you just lay it all out and you start going. And it's amazing how you can get caught up on a rabbit trail, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're here to study this and then God just drifts your heart and you go clear over here. I love that. Now, today in 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 the world today, you can do all of that from your iPhone, right? You can. It's got it all there and it's amazing to to, to do and to see and to watch and to go through scriptures. But this morning, we're going to go through basic training, Holy Spirit 101. Now, we have been talking last week about vessels of God containing spiritual things. What are those things? What what is a vessel of God? And we talked about what's in your vessel. And we talked about there is a cleansing that God wants to take you through. Your vessel, which is your body, is full of so much stuff. It's full of knowledge, it's full of yourself, it's full of all kinds of stuff. And God, you know, and we think I filled myself up with all of this knowledge and stuff so I can serve God and I can go out and just do what God wants me to do. And that that is a good heart, that's that's good, but God doesn't want all that stuff as much as He wants Himself inside of you. Amen. And we talked about Second Timothy, talking about just being a vessel of honor, being sanctified. That is set apart for a very special purpose and, 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 and end that God has for us. We talked about being useful for the master, prepared for every good work. How many have that heart? You want to be prepared for every good work. The moment that we're in right now, God, uh, God, thank you, God. The moment that we're in right now, guys... You were created for such a time as this. You were created. You are here for this moment in his story because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants to use you, the vessel that you are, he wants to use to bring others to himself. Amen? So, that was kind of my review from last week. So let's, let's just kind of get rolling here. And and I'm going to kind of segue and shift gears and do a couple things here because I want you guys thinking outside of the box a little bit. But at the Last Supper, Jesus revealed to his disciples that his death was imminent. And, And he said that, I'm going, but I'm sending someone, a helper who will help you in all things. How many of you understand the concept of a helper? Yeah. My grandmother used to call my arm, my helper. And when I didn't have it on, I'd be doing something, getting frustrated. She'd say, you need to go get your helper and put it on. So I totally understand that concept because when I put my helper on, then I could pick up hot things and do crazy, stupid things and (laughs) pick up rattlesnakes. Don't tell my kids I said that. So it really helped me a lot. But the point is, is Jesus said, hey, I'm going. My death is imminent. It's coming. It's coming. And I'm going to send a helper to help you. And then he said, in John 14, 6, he said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Jesus was there with them, walking life with them, helping them along the way, right? And he knew when he went, he needed to send someone to continue to help them. So he did. He said, He will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. So uh, Jesus identifies this helper as The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and that the Spirit of truth would come and take up residence within them. That's the Holy Spirit. He said in 1426, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit, and and a lot of you guys, this is probably like you're kind of rehashing some stuff. That's okay. Because not everybody in this room has their head and heart around who the Holy Spirit is. Amen? Amen. So, the Holy Spirit is sent to teach us, to guide us, to lead us, to bring to remembrance the things that Jesus taught us. He's our paraclete. He, he's the one that stands there and says no. And he defends us. He protects us. He walks with us. John 14, 17, the spirit of, tr- of, of truth The world cannot accept Him, Jesus is saying, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. So the Holy Spirit isn't this thing out there just hovering around in the cosmos around us. The Holy Spirit's dwelling place is within us. You got that? You have to understand that. The Holy Spirit is not just floating around like some spirit out there Ooh, drifting and doing its thing. No, He's dwelling inside of each and every one of us that are born again, that have asked Jesus into our heart. The Holy Spirit is within us. So we are vessels of the Holy Ghost. We are vessels that contain the Spirit of God. In my notes I wrote, When Jesus appeared to His disciples just before He ascended to the Father, He commissioned, to, commissioned them to be His witnesses. To all the nations beginning from Jerusalem to the ends of Grant's Pass, No, to the ends of the world, His last recorded words were this in Luke 24:49 "I am sending forth the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit, upon you, but you are to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So they had to wait in the upper room, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And they did as they were told, and all of a sudden, this amazing moment happened. Here's kind of a brief account of the events that uh, transpired in Jerusalem. And and when you look at them, they really graphically depict this this incredible dynamic energy by which the church was brought to birth. Acts 2. Just turn to Acts 2, and we're just going to thumb through it quick. And I'm just hitting the highlights. It's kind of like bouncing on the top here. They're waiting, and all of a sudden, a mighty, mighty rushing wind fills the room. I had a brother years ago. He was a pastor. He was a Nazarene pastor. He was extremely conservative. He was called and invited to go pray for another friend who was a pastor from a different denomination. And the guy had had a stroke. He couldn't talk. He was just totally incapacitated, and he's just laying there. And Wally said, they walked into the room, him and another brother, and they sat down and his wife gently closed the door. And they, they laid hands on the brother and he said, all of a sudden, a mighty rushing wind filled the room. And he said, how did I know it was a rushing wind? Because my hair began to move. And he goes, I didn't have much hair then. It began to move. A mighty rushing wind. And then all of a sudden, the man that they're praying for, his eyes opened And he began to pray for them. The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit came and filled that room with his presence. And this man who was in a stroke condition began to speak and to share and to love and to pray for the men that were praying for him. Well, he said, it changed my mind and my heart forever. The mighty rushing wind, he goes, I've experienced that moment. Then, then. Tongues of fire appeared over each of their heads. I've shared with you the story of our daughter with Heidi Baker in Mozambique. They went out in the outback somewhere, and they're in this village that they were told never to go to, but Heidi Baker's one of those people like, you threaten me with heaven? Are you kidding me? No, if you come here, they will kill you. Wait, wait a minute, wait. You're threatening me with heaven? Bring it. So she brought her entourage on this big flatbed truck. They're preaching the gospel. They bring the most demonized the most, paralyzed the most, grotesque person they could find, put him in front of Heidi and said, basically in essence, see if your God can fix this. And Heidi began to pray. She said, my daughter said, this lady's eyes were just white. There were no pupils or any, just white. And she was shuddering and and tremoring and everything. And Heidi put her hand on her and she just prayed. She, she, (laughs) she just said, come out demons. And she just began to pray. And all of a sudden, my daughter said, this lady who had no pupils all of a sudden had pupils. She began to see. She began to talk coherently. And everyone's like, whoo, backing up now. Yeah. And my daughter said one of their friends was taking pictures of everything that was going on. And she said as a girl was taking pictures, she could not see anything in the natural. But when they got the pictures and started looking at them, there was tongues of fire. On the heads of the people there. It's a real deal. So here we have these tongues of fire. And it says. <clears throat> that appeared over each of the disciples. Then they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it goes on. They stayed up in the upper room. The Holy Spirit comes. Fills them. Then the Holy Spirit gently shoves them out into the streets. So the Holy Spirit wasn't just, it wasn't just, it was for that moment he came and filled, but he also sent. So they're shoved out into the street, and it says, devout Jews out of every nation under heaven heard the great noise. The scripture says the multitude came together and were bewildered, confused, because each one were hearing them, them the disciples speak in his own language, magnifying the wonderful works of God. These people were there for a celebration. They were from different parts of the known world, and they spoke different dialects. And all of a sudden, these people who were from a whole other place and region were hearing the wonderful things about God in their own dialect, their own language. That was a wow moment. Acts 2, guys, is that, in my opinion, it's that Kairos moment. It's that appointed time for the purposes of God when God steps forward and really acts in a supernatural, incredibly powerful way. It's when the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, is when the Holy Spirit ushered the church into the realm of the miraculous, as mankind had never witnessed before. All of a sudden, everything changed. It's the moment that God came from heaven to earth to live in us. Game changer. Some would call that the inauguration of the of the dispensation of grace. Which granted us relief from the strict application that the law always held us to. Grace came. Grace came. Ezekiel 36:27 says, "And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances." No longer was it from the outside in. it was from the inside out. There was something in us that was changed. It's the Holy Spirit that says this is not right you need to do this you need to walk this way you need to live your life this way no longer no longer did God choose to confine himself confine himself to the walls of the tabernacle or or the temple or even to a to a to a pillar of fire or a cloud of glory God came he chose to live inside of his people who he would scatter throughout the earth and that's exactly what he was doing in that moment 2 Corinthians 6.16 says this. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple vessels of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them, not dwell around us. I will dwell in them and I will walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Guys, this is really exciting stuff. No longer do we have to do this alone because the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us that gives us the ability to walk this life out. But there's a reason for it. So how does God manifest Himself in His people? And I wrote here, God chose to supernaturally manifest His presence within His people by means of supernatural gifts of grace. We call them the spiritual gifts. First Corinthians, turn with me if you would to first Corinthians chapter twelve we 're going to look at verses eight through ten. This is a list of the nine spiritual gifts that God wants to fill us with so that we can move in incredibly supernatural ways that we become those signs that make people wonder and they go wow and it, and, and there 's a reason for this, but we 'll we'll get there because this is the journey that we 're on. It says to one there is given the spirit." Through the Spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. You could say a word of. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits, discernment. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, the, all of these gifts that we just read are really all manifestations of the extraordinary abilities operating through believers by the power of the Holy Spirit for special service to the body of Christ. It's what they're for. The Holy Spirit came, I wrote here, to earth to complete the ministry of Jesus through the church, his body. He came to minister grace. He came to minister love and mercy from God to man through man. We are the vessels that God has chosen to bring grace and mercy from God to others. We are the ones that God has chosen. It's not coming from a white knight in shining armor riding in the building. It's not. It's going to come through us. Amen? He came to equip us with the miraculous ability to live as Jesus lived here on the earth, full of wisdom, compassion, understanding, power, authority, and to walk in righteousness. Amen? God, the Holy Spirit, I wrote, came to empower the church to be a witness for Jesus, as Acts one eight says, unto the farthest parts of the earth. The same spiritual gifts that the early church walked in and used to shape their world are available to each and every one of us today. And God wants us to walk in these gifts and to use these gifts as a service to the body of Christ. To help encourage and to bring forth and to call forth what is in people all around us. Amen? I wrote here, these gifts are still the only means by which the church will be able to accomplish the will of God in this generation. Let's have a full stop for a moment. Full stop. It's... My heart that at my understanding, if, if we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit and not talk about the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to put the cart before the horse. I do not see how you can really truly honestly teach on the gifts of the spiritual gifts of the Spirit without first addressing the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. So you have, we're going to, we're going to, the nine fruits of the Spirit, and there's nine spiritual gifts. Now, there are many other gifts, I believe, that God has given to men. There's 25 plus. I mean, God's out of the box and he's doing what he wants. I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, and God's no longer in that box. He's out. And God's going to do what God wants to do. It's not limited to just. One or two or three gifts. It's limited to a lot of things. No, there is no. There's, God just does what he wants to do. But it all does line up with the word of God. And you can find at least 25 gifts that God has given in the word of God if you really look. There may be even more. I don't know. There's some amazing gifts that God's given. But the gifts of the spirit versus the, the nine spiritual gifts, let's take a look at that. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Here Paul is is speaking uh, about being led by the Spirit. He's talking about how, how to be victoriously led by the Spirit. And he also talks about the tension that, that our spirits live in, uh, the tension that lives with our old nature and our new nature. And, and, and this, this term, fruit of the Spirit, refers to, again, the nine qualities of Christian character, I believe, that are, that are centered and come from Christ himself. But let's just read this. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. What that literally means, love your neighbor as yourself, literally means love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do you understand that? As you love yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. Boy, that is so true. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary, opposite to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh, man, these two do not mix well. They were never designed to be that way. They are in conflict with each other. They, in fact, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do... Is Jason still here? What's going on here? My I fading out here? Signal. signal? I'm running out of gas, maybe. Should I move this 30 yards? There we go. That might help. But but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, uh, factions, and envy, and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, as you read the Word and go down the list, you have to to look at where you're at in this journey. Okay? That's between you and Jesus. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then it says, since we live by the Spirit, check your heart. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Wow. I just love the Word of God. So... Let's move on. In one of his final conversations with his disciples, Jesus talked about the importance of bearing good fruit. And he said in John 15, I'm not going to read all of it. uh, He said, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. What does a good gardener do in their garden? They trim, they clip, they prune, they weed, They're all about getting all this excess stuff that's not producing out of the way. In fact, it goes into the burn pile. If it's diseased and needs help and it's beyond help, it goes in the burn pile. It's destroyed. That's what a good gardener does. And then Jesus goes on and says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I am in him, he will bear much fruit. How many of you feel like your life is really producing a lot of really good fruit? You, you, you don't have to raise your hand, but just pause that for a moment. You know, Jesus used this analogy of the vine to teach about the necessary relationship which, I wrote, must exist between the Holy Spirit and the believer. Why? So that Christ's likeness may be produced in the believer. That's what the fruit of the Spirit does. It, it, it produces Christ's likeness in us. It is the Holy Spirit who produces the supernatural fruit in us as we yield to him. And I wrote, the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ produced in us so that we might show the world what he is like. And if we're walking with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, our life is going is to bring forth really good fruit. It's going to bring forth the character of Christ. That really is what the fruit of the Spirit is about. Because Jesus is love. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace. He's patient. He's kind. He's good. Great word this morning. God is so good. And he's good all the time. Unfortunately, the church has preached a message that God's angry and mad at you. God is not angry and mad. God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son to die for us on the cross. He is faithful, gentle, self-good. You ever seen? You read anywhere Jesus is like totally out of control? Where Jesus like, "Ah!" some would say, well, he went in the temple and he was smacking stuff around. But that was a righteous anger, which we're going to go down that road at some point. Not today, though. There is a righteous anger. But Jesus was not out of control in that moment. I don't believe that for a moment. He was angry and it was a righteous anger. In a vine I wrote the branches depend upon the trunk for life and the vine needs the branches to bear its fruit. So listen, Jesus told his disciples that he had come to the world to show the world what the Father is like. So Jesus told his disciples, I have come to show you what the Father is like. He was God manifest in the flesh. But the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within the believer us to reveal to the world what Jesus is like. Did you catch that? So the Holy Spirit was sent to reveal to the world what Jesus is really like. And if you're walking in the Spirit and your life is full of really good and abundant fruit and people encounter you, they're going to encounter the goodness of God. They're going to encounter the joy of God, the peace of God, the kindness of God. They're going to encounter this if your life is producing that kind of fruit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And he says, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body, your vessel. We probably could work on that a little more. I'm in that lot too. Hello? <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is Christ's character manifested. And I said, I wrote here, and this is produced in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you will live a life that honors God. So again, the fruit of the Spirit is Christ's character manifested in your life? Is that a horn out there? Yeah. Somebody's, alarm. Somebody's alarm. They're just getting up now. <laughs> they wanted an extra hour. I don't know. but Okay, let's move on. It's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? It's like, squirrel. Which reminds me. This is. Bill Johnson does this. This is such a great story. He talks about being led by the Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit, okay? And we're walking along in the Holy Spirit, trying to trying to walk that Christian life, being filled and, and, and really being led by the Spirit. And all of a sudden, Squirrel comes along, and we're like, Squirrel! And we've left the Holy Spirit way back there somewhere. It's a great analogy of how easy it is to get distracted by the world. Amen. Man. This is tough. It's tough to walk in the Spirit. It's tough to bear that good fruit. It takes a lot of work to bear good fruit. We have a garden at our place, and I'll tell you, man, I'm looking at all the work you put in, and you start figuring out how many hours and chemicals and non-chemicals and stuff you bought, and you go, man, that apple tastes good, but it cost me $30. <laughs> then there's that comment, but you know what you got? <laughs> yeah, I got a $30 apple in my hand. I can just crawl over the fence into someone else's yard and grab an apple. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So here's this principle. Here's this principle of fruit bearing. It was revealed clear back at the very beginning of time. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. This is so interesting to me. This is the principle of fruit bearing. It's nothing that was just brought up in the New Testament. It's been around since the beginning of time. Genesis 1.11, I love hearing the pages turn, I love that, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, did you catch that, according, so, so when you plant a tomato seed, it doesn't come up a banana, it comes up a tomato, right, that's the thought here, Note that each each of the plant or the tree was to produce fruit according to its kind. And then I wrote here, spiritual fruit bearing follows the same principle. John the Baptist, remember John the Baptist? He demanded from his converts in Matthew 3.8 to produce fruit keeping with repentance. He demanded that of them. In the Amplified it says, so produce fruit that is consistent with repentance. So if you've repented and truly changed your way of thinking, it should be a reflection in your life, right? You should no longer be doing the things that you weren't supposed to be doing that you knew you shouldn't be doing. You should be doing all new things that push the gospel and push the kingdom forward. Demonstrating new behavior that proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away from sin. That's the fruit of a repentant heart. You make these conscious decisions to turn away from sin. To turn away from the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. In John 15, verses 1 through 16, I'm not going to read all this, but John emphasized this principle by making it clear. Again, I wrote his, that his followers, that in order to develop and maintain a spiritual life, one must bear abundant fruit for God. In verse 8, it says, This is, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about? The answer is given clear back in Galatians 5. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Is your life producing? Is your life demonstrating? Is your life showing and bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Is it showing it? Is it bearing it? I mean, sometimes you, you walk through and you think, I'm not doing a very good job at this. And others look at you and go, man, you're doing so good. At and then sometimes you think, I'm really bearing good fruit. And someone's like, whoa, that's not good fruit. That's not good fruit. One of, one of the primary purposes, I believe, of the Holy Spirit is, is the, He comes into the Christian's life, and it's, it, it's for the purpose of changing that life, to making that life look more like Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job to conform us, the Word of God says, to the image of Christ. Again, making us more like Him. Galatians 5, 16 through 26, again, describes that spiritual conflict between the sinful nature and the divine nature. This is something we'll always wrestle with until we stand face-to-face with Jesus. We'll always wrestle with this. There was a book Jim Durkin wrote in Gospel Outreach, talk about Jesus' revolution. When, when, when San Francisco, at first everything kind of, the whole world sh- turned and, and lifted and everything slid into San Francisco, to Haight-Ashbury area, that happened. And then the Jesus movement began out of San Francisco. And it's like this mountain went up and people went north and they went south. And, and we read when they went south, a lot of them ended up with Chuck Smith. A lot of them went on to other ministries as well. Shiloh ministries. There's a bunch of others in there. And they went north to a place called Lighthouse Ranch with Jim Durkin. That's where my wife and I cut our teeth, was under the teachings of Jim Durkin. And Jim was always talking about training your soul. And he was saying how, and you guys have heard me teach on this, where we're born in the world, we're born into all this crazy wonky stuff before we come to Christ, and who trained us? The world did. We react and respond based on how we were raised and grew up in this environment. So we come to Jesus, so we've always got this constant thing of like, one little thing sitting here going, don't do it. The other one's going, no, go ahead and do it, it'll be okay. No, don't do it. And we wrestle with that tension. How many know that tension? It's real. And there's this retraining of your soul. David did that all the time. We think we think soul talk may have ta- started somewhere down in the south. It it didn't. David was into soul talk. He'd say, "Soul, stop it. Soul, you need to get it together. Soul, rise up. Come on, soul, you've got this." He would talk to that part of his being that was connected to God. And we need to constantly be aware of that that there's an enemy that wants to take us out. And he knows our desires. And he knows those old desires that we, and he loves to say, hey, it's okay to go do that one time. It's not going to hurt you. Remember all the fun you had doing that? And then you're, you start this wrestling match. Oh, man, stop it. We need to stop it. If we're led by the Spirit, well, we're going to be able to work through this tension the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in direct contrast with the acts of the sinful nature. Galatians, verse 17 says this, says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. This is in Galatians 5. Uh, where am I? Galatians 5. Yeah, I, the total context is 13 through 26, but I'm in verse 17. Just. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're always going to be in war. They're always going to be beating at each other and clashing all the time. But I'm telling you, if you walk in the spirit, you're going to be able to go through, "Eh, I got some good filters now. That's not of God. That's not not going to produce good fruit. We're able to take those thoughts captives by the power of God because we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to be able to go, that's not God. Get out of here and rebuke it, and walk away from it. We can do that. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not know what you want. They're opposite in character. They were never meant to, to come together. Galatians five nineteen through 21 really does an incredible job of describing all the people to, to varying degrees when they do not know Christ and therefore are not under the influence of the Holy Spirit and the fruit that they are bearing. Can you imagine the fruit of jealousy? <sighs> our sinful flesh produces certain types of fruit that reflect our nature. Just does, but listen. And the Holy Spirit came, fills us, and now hopefully the Holy Spirit will allow us and produces in us types of fruit that reflect His nature. So, what is your vessel reflecting? Is it your nature? Or is it his nature? So when a believer does not yield to the Holy Spirit's control, I'm telling you, if you're not yielding to the Spirit, you're not being led by the Spirit, you will not be able to resist the desires of the sinful nature. You won't. And if you keep falling back into the old desires, this might be your problem. You're not yielding your heart and all that you have to the Spirit of God. But when the Spirit is in control... Wow. Yeah, we are like fertile ground in which the Spirit can produce His fruit. And by the power of the Spirit, we can overcome the desires of the flesh and live that abundant and fruitful life that God wants us to live. You want to know the secret? To win in the spiritual conflict, the secret is to walk again in the Spirit of God, to walk in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5:24 through 25 reminds us that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with nature with its passions and desires. And then it says since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You want to get the monkey off your back? You want to really train your soul? Learn to walk with the Spirit. How do we do that? We listen to his voice. I'm telling you, God is always talking. It comes from the throne of God. His voice is just always, it's always coming down. We've talked about that even in the prophetic realm, in the gift of prophecy, all that good stuff. God is always speaking. But do we have the tuner to tune into his frequencies? The more you walk in the spirit, the more you'll begin to hear and go, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. That wasn't just my spirit talking. That's the Holy Spirit talking. I need to listen. Follow his leading. How many of us have had a moment when the Spirit of God told us to do something, and we didn't do it, and then we felt ourselves going back around the mountain again? You ever have that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Follow his leading, obeying his orders, and trusting and depending on him. <clears throat> Benny Him wrote a book, I believe Benny wrote it, called Good Morning Holy Spirit. It's a powerful book. It's like, first thing he gets up in the morning, he has this incredible conscious awareness of the Spirit of God is there. He's here. He's in me. What are we going to do today, Holy Spirit? What's, I mean, he's, he tuned in like that. Imagine living your life like that. So tuned into the Spirit. If the Spirit said this or that, you were able to hear it with incredible clarity and just do what he told you to do. Listen, as long as the Holy Spirit is control in control and you are imbi- and, and, and he is abiding in and empowering you, you are going to naturally manifest his fruit in your life and, and i 'm going to be honest in the church, there are people who, when you 're around them. <laughs> It's hard to sense that there's any fruit there like that. But yet they're in the church. I'm not throwing rocks, guys. I'm just saying, are they really being led by the Spirit? They're freaking out. They're screaming. They're whining. They're complaining. uh, They're upset. They're pointing fingers at. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. And the Word really is really clear on this. Don't walk down that path where you're devouring each other and chewing each other up. The gifts... The supernatural gifts of the Spirit, I believe that we're going to get to next week, we'll talk about those. Those nine gifts, those gifts were given to take and to talk to those people in the church. Like like a word of knowledge will come where you're like, ooh, I know why they're so angry and why they're so upset. And, And God gives you the ability to know what's going on so you can speak into that in their lives. And if they're open to that, you want a friend. And if they're open to that, they will begin to produce good fruit. There's so many spiritual gifts that God wants to use for the purpose of tuning us up, for getting us to move where He wants us to go. How many of you have received a prophetic word that kind of tuned you up? Yeah, wow, yeah. It was powerful. And when you listened to it, you went, they were right. I mean, you've probably heard sermons preached where something in your heart went, oh, oh. And something clicked and you went, you know what? I need to, I need to fix this. I, I need to repent. I need to turn the other way. Get away from this and move into healthy places. Romans 8, verses 5 through 10. I'm not going to read it all. Reminds us that those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace so who's governing your mind it will come out in the form of fruit in your life you however are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the spirit if indeed the spirit of God lives in you ooh and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ they do not belong to Christ But if Christ is in you, then even through your body, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. What a powerful word. So you can see in this scripture, if you read it in its entirety, you can see the principle of fruit bearing right here. Each produces fruit after its kind. Whether your mind, it it, it all comes down to what your mind is set on. If your mind is set on the flesh, it's going to produce fruit wickedness. If it's set on spiritual desires, it's going to protect, pr- produce a fruit that gives life to everyone and everything around it. I wrote here, a fruit is a living thing. If you have yielded control of your life to the Holy Spirit, He will unfailingly produce in you the fruit of the Spirit, spirit in a continuous, plentiful harvest As Galatians 4.19 says, until Christ is formed in you. Prophetic word. I believe and I have felt this for a long time. That we're in a moment where the Holy Spirit is wanting to set people apart. And, And what he's doing is he's setting apart a huge number of people for a very special purpose. And he's preparing them, as 2 Timothy says, for every good work. He's anointing them with special grace and power because he's got incredible things for them to do. These people have been in hiding. These people have been in training. Maybe didn't even know. But they're being uniquely equipped to be able to face the evil that we're facing today. Yeah, yeah. 2 Timothy 2 again says, do you want to be a vessel for honor? Then you need to set yourself apart. You need to be sanctified. And it says here, sanctified, set apart for a special purpose and useful to the master prepared for every good work. How many have that heart? You want to be used by God. You want to be used by God for special purposes. Oh, man. Do you really want this? Do you really, really want this? Well, it all begins by making peace with the Holy Spirit and restoring his rightful place in your heart and in this church. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Elizabeth, is she still here? There you are. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you happen to maybe have some song we could play for a moment or? It doesn't matter, I, I'm easy. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yesterday I had, not yesterday, before yesterday, had an amazing opportunity uh, I have an aunt who was probably the only safe harbor I ever knew as a kid. And my cousins called me and said, Annie Lane is, she's checking out. They said, will you come and pray for her? So Dan Williamson and I went up there and we prayed for my aunt. So amazing. She was in hospice. She'd had a massive heart attack. And They were saying, there is no coming back. But I knew that my aunt loved Jesus. And sometimes in those moments, we forget. We have our will. We have our desire that they would be here with us. But Jesus has this incredible desire, too. He tells the Father in John 17, I believe, when he's praying. He's praying for believers. And he says, Father, my heart is that they would be with me. So Jesus has a desire for us to be with him. And it was so amazing because we just began to pray peace and grace. And, and her temperature dropped. And you could feel this tangible peace and presence of God come into the room. It was an amazing moment. And she, she graduated into eternity about three hours after that. And one of my cousins, who I've never known her to be spiritual at all, she said, what a difference we felt in that room. What a difference it made. Guys, we carry something in these vessels that God wants to use to touch the lives of others. It's called the Holy Spirit. God wants to bestow upon us incredible gifts that if our vessels are clean and ready and prepared, these gifts will, He will pour into us and overload so we will be able to minister to others. Not only will our life produce incredible fruit, when people stand next to us, they know there's something different. When we put our foot into new territory, everything evil and demonic f- runs for the woods because they know that the presence of God is in your presence. Amen? How many want to walk in that? I just tell you, man, it's time for us to get this right. God is doing something powerful in the world. And I I don't want us to miss it. I want us to be able to shepherd this incredibly well by allowing the Holy Spirit to do what He does best. He fixes broken things. He does that. So this morning, I'm just going to ask if that's you, if you, want, if you want to be able to make room in your heart for Jesus like you never have before, I want you to come forward and we want to pray over you. If you want more of his presence in your life and less of you, I want to pray for you. Amen? So take it away, sister, and let's just see what the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you,
1: God. Hallelujah, our God, Hallelujah,
0: our God yes. 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 You want to come up here? Come on up here. You're so awesome. Come on, come on, come on. Could we get some prayer warriors up here? You know who you are. you go down the corridor of their hearts, and you would just gently knock on those doors that they need to open and allow you to come in. They, they know, God, we're not here to meddle, God, but they want all of you, and all of them, God. Thank you, Jesus. We just say yes to more, God? Yes. 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 guys, if we, could just, if we could just stop for a moment. Just stop for a moment. Let's, uh, let's pray over this. Um, God's doing a lot. God's doing a lot. Greg, you want to close us in prayer, brother? <laughs> I saw that hand. God's doing a lot.
2: Father God you are so good and you're so evident in this service today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for loving us so much that you would dwell here. Thank you so much Lord that you want active relationship with us. Lord we we just come expecting and we leave expecting that you are with us no matter where we go.
0: Yes, yes.
2: Lord, continue to work in this family. Continue to pour out your Spirit more and more in this family. Uh We're desperate for more and more of you. Continue to pour. Yes. Yes. Continue to pour truth. Thank you so much for our pastor, for hearing the heart of the Holy Spirit, I don't know where to go from there. Thank you, Lord. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. In Jesus' name.
0: (laughs) If you could help with a few chairs, that would be awesome. God bless you. If you want to hang out for a little bit, fellowship, that's cool too. So bless you guys.
2: That was so good, Doug. Thank you.